Welcome to the show. I'm Greg McEwen, and I'm your host on the What's Essential podcast. In Essentialism, I wrote that the antidote to a state of constant busyness and distraction was to identify the activities that are truly essential and eliminate everything else. In hindsight, I realized that I underemphasized a critical piece of the equation, that perhaps the biggest thing that actually keeps us from doing what's essential is the false idea that everything that's important has to take tremendous effort. But what if instead we consider the possibility that the reason things feel so hard is simply that we haven't found an easier way to do it yet? For the month of April, the What's Essential podcast discusses these principles, which will be fully explored in my new book, Effortless, where you'll learn how to transform tedious tasks into joyful rituals, to solve problems completely before they even arise, to simplify your processes, and much more. I wrote Effortless for you, to help you make the most essential activities the easiest ones, And I can't wait to share all that I've learned with you. So after this episode, pre-order your copy of Effortless at the link in the description. Let's begin. John Acuff, a New York Times bestselling author, uh, the author of a new book, Soundtracks, um, which I love, uh, The Surprising Solution to Overthinking. I think it's your best book. Uh, so far. Oh, thank you. I think it's, this is a funny way to say it, but it's like packaged really well. It's, you know, like it's a, it's a full, clear problem, great solution, and, and just an overall book that I feel like has a, has a lot of relevance for a lot of reasons. But one of the things I think that's great about it is that you sort of know when you need it and you know who needs it. And and that's not always so easy to do and create in a book, and you've done it, and great title, all of it. I just love it. I think you've done excellent job with it, and welcome to the What's Essential podcast. It's great to have you. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this one as a, as a fan of your work, and you know we've we've passed you know I'm sure in different publishing halls and different events. It's fun to finally connect. Yeah, it's one of my uh, genuine enjoyable things about doing the podcast is having an excuse to actually get to know people that you sort of know, I don't know, sort of know by rumor or, or know by respect, uh, but don't actually have a, have a, a, an excuse, a reason to, to, to get over that line. So it's great to have you. Could you just, I mean, you have such a great problem statement how you came to this book and and so on would you just give us the uh, the the download on that first of all sure well whenever i write a book or or work on something new i look for three things i look for a personal connection um, because as you know as an author you're going to talk about this for years so you should be personally connected to it first of all so true yeah almost painfully true yeah so you have to find a thing that haunts you almost like a question you're willing to go dig deep on, talk about, find new ways to talk about. So first is that. The second is, do people need it? Do I, you know, as, as I'm traveling, as I'm communicating online, as I'm in, you know, talking with friends, do I see a real need? And third is, is there a spot for it in the marketplace? That's kind of my Venn diagram of how I look at ideas. Because let's say you have, you identify a need, you identify 
a, a hole in the marketplace, but you're not personally connected to it. You just created a new day job. Like it might make money, it might have a spot in the market, but you're not going to enjoy it. You're going to quit on it. And so mm-hmm. with this book, I've been an overthinker for years. I learned something about changing my thoughts back in 2008 that really changed my career and kind of the trajectory of my life. So I was deeply connected to it. And then there's a PhD named Mike Peasley who helps me with research. And we asked 10,000 people if they struggle with overthinking and 99.5% of them said yes. Um, And that was before 2020. Like 2020 was catnip for overthinking. So overthinking is at an all-time high, in my opinion. And so that was kind of why I said, I'm going to do the research. I'm going to write the book. I'm going to invest the X amount of years of my life in this topic. And and why the, I think, brilliant title, Soundtracks? Why that? Well, so a soundtrack to me is a repetitive thought. Um, A lot of people say a thought is like a leaf on a river. It's a cloud in the sky. It's a car passing on the highway. But for me, it's a soundtrack because a soundtrack has the ability to completely change a moment, often without us really recognizing. I mean, imagine a movie that opens up on a scene of an idyllic house and it's a neighborhood and there's a white picket fence and kids playing, and then they play an ominous soundtrack. Suddenly, it changes everything. Suddenly this quiet house is too quiet. Don't go in there. Where if they played a positive soundtrack, okay, it's a rom-com. Like this is going to be fun. Like something interesting and funny and silly is probably going to happen. So I believe that the thoughts we listen to that are repetitive are soundtracks. And when they're good soundtracks, when you're choosing them, creating them, they really push you forward to action. When they're bad soundtracks, when they're broken, they hold you back. And so that's why I, I use that term. Um, your opening chapter is called, I think I can do this. Why? Well, um, in 2008, I was stuck in my career. I had hit a ceiling, um, which was, you know, humbling to hit at 32. I think I was 32 years old. And you usually expect like at 52, maybe I'll hit a ceiling, but I had hit a career ceiling and I was really stuck and it was really kind of, nerve wracking because I was a senior content designer at a company and there was no super duper senior content designer (laughs) position. I was at the end of it. And I started this blog on the side just because I felt like I've got some ideas that are worth sharing. And an event planner um, sent me an email and said, Hey, will you come speak at our event in Edmond, Oklahoma? And I, I didn't even know speaking was a thing you could do. I didn't know people got paid for it. I didn't know it was a craft. Um, all I had, I had no evidence I could do it. I had no understanding of it. I just had a tiny little baby soundtrack that said, I think I can do this. I think I could become a public speaker. And that was all I had. And I, I fed that with tremendous action, worked on that a lot, did so many repetitions, really grew it over time. But there were so many moments where all I had was the thought, I think I can do this. I think I can do this. And that turned into, a, I think I can write a book. I think I can start a business. I think we can move to Nashville and have this completely different life. So it was that thought that started it. And then I got curious, what if there were other thoughts that were just as helpful? And what if I could teach other people those same things? And that's the surprising thing to me was how few people think they can choose their thoughts. Most people think a thought is something they have, not something they hone. And when you recognize that the story you'll hear the most in your life is the story you're telling yourself about yourself. It's pretty surprising. And then you realize, wait a second, I have a say in that story. That's when life gets really fun. Hmm. I love that. One of the reasons I love this phrase, I think I can do this, is that with um, with writing the book Effortless, 
it was basically my aspiration for the book was that people would feel that would they they would say that you know they read the book I think I can do this because there's almost a physical change in you when you when you feel I think I can do this it's like your your body relaxes but it's also ready to do to take action a hundred percent and there's so much really interesting science to back that that idea up I mean I think that's what I really like about your work I, I like about this conversation is that um, we're both really positive but we're both really positive about the actions it'll take to make that positive thing true mm. you know one of my favorite soundtracks is uh, it'll be a success or a story like it's going to be a success or a story. That's why I like the title effortless because I think it's a promise that I know you fulfill. And I think it's, I think that's a rare magical thing mm. where you can tell somebody there's a land you're not going to believe you have access to. And when you get there, you're going to, you're going to look back and wonder. Mm, thank you for that. I, one of the things I love about that soundtrack you just described, um, tell me again, the, um, uh, the, you're either going to be successful or you're going to have a story. It'll either be a success or a story. You know, I think it was 2010. I tried to throw a meetup, like my first meetup. And I thought there's going to be so many people there. I actually convinced because I'm very charismatic, my in-laws to print a thousand stickers that I was going to hand out to the masses of people there. I, bu I brought all these Skittles because I'd made a Skittles joke online that I thought was funny. And I go to this room and I sit there for 90 minutes. And in 90 minutes, two people came. And one was my friend who came to kind of encourage me. And one was a dad. <laughs> a dad walked in and said, I don't read your blog, but my daughter does call her. And he handed me his phone. And I had an awkward 30-second conversation with this girl. And I was like, hey, your dad said you read my blog. Thank, thanks for doing that. And then he left. And, <laughs> and I remember in the, even in that moment, I was like, this is a story. And so I had my friend take a photo of me sitting around all these empty chairs um, and I posted that and I wrote about it and became one of my most popular blog posts I've ever written because it was a true story. Well, and the thing that I love about that soundtrack that you're sharing is, is that you're really, by saying that to yourself, you're reducing the cost of mistakes and failure. You're making it cheap to fail, which is exactly what you want because it's an inevitable part of any success whatsoever at any level that you will have many failures. That, that's not even a question. The question is, is how expensive is that to you? Yeah, and how long do you carry it? How loud does it get? You know, I think that's another way to say like, it got really expensive. It became a defining moment, not just a moment. Um, you know, another one I like to say is fear gets a voice, not a vote. Like I say that one all the time. Fear gets a voice, not a vote. Because when people say you can be 100% fearless, I don't agree with that because I think every time you stretch yourself or try something new or grow or launch a new book, there's a degree of fear. It always has a voice, mm. but it doesn't get a vote. It mm. doesn't get to sit at the head of the table and decide what I do and say, you don't get to do that. But I also don't ignore it because I think oftentimes our fear is trying to teach us something. Mm -hmm. So, okay, it's, I'm going to give it a voice, but not a vote. Can you just define for us just clearly like what overthinking is? Yeah. Overthinking um, is when what you think gets in the way of what you want. Um, that's the clearest definition. Another another definition that sometimes helps people say, well, how do I know if I'm overthinking versus just, I like to be prepared. I like to be detailed. I'm organized. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm analytical. I think that's awesome. So here's the difference. Being prepared always leads to an action. Overthinking always leads to more overthinking. That's where it always ends. Being detailed 
leads to a decision, leads to an action, leads to a launch. Overthinking leads to more overthinking. So if you sat down and said, John, here's these things I actually did. Here's the actions. I'd go, that's great. It seems like you're a detailed person. If you said to me, I've been writing a book for 12 years, or I've been working on starting a podcast for four years, I would say, you might be overthinking it because starting a podcast shouldn't take four years. Um, it, it really shouldn't. So maybe you're stuck in an overthinking loop. One of the ideas I, I love the way you put it in the book is that the solution to overthinking is never more thinking, it's to take action. I love that because when I overthink myself or when I see other people overthinking, it is tempting to go, oh, well, why are you thinking that? Let's go deep. Let's, and, and it's like, look, what do you need to take action on that will propel you forward? It's, it's a, an interrupt, a disruption to, uh, to, to the overthinking. That's what I think you're saying. Yeah. And it's a simple interruption. Um, you know, I, I like to take the way I try to write is I try to take something really complex and simplify it. Um, and give people, you know, ideas, practical ideas they can they can work with. So, an you know, example of of an action could be, you, you know, in the in the book I talk about how I discovered one day I had the worst boss in the world, and the worst boss in the world was me. Um, I was, you know, I would set a ninety minute timer to write something, and then if I wanted to go get a drink of water or use the bathroom, I would pause the timer, and I thought if I had a boss that. I worked for in an office and I went in and said, Hey, I'm going to go use the bathroom. He's like, hold up. Let me pause the timer because I don't want you stealing those 90 seconds from the company. I'd be like, this guy's the worst boss. And so I realized all these things that I was doing like that. So I just, I didn't spend, I didn't go on a vision quest or like a, a three month silent retreat, you know, like in Sedona. I, don't, I just don't have time for that. I said, what would the best boss do? Like what in that situation, what would the best boss do? And I've had some good bosses. And so I was, e I was able to make a quick list of here's what the best boss would do. And then I had some actions I could actually take. No, I 100% agree with this. Um, there's, there's one of the soundtracks that you talk about. It's in, in a section called Mr. Rogers Was Onto Something. But the particular soundtrack you come up with uh, really spoke to me. I felt like we were, we were aligned on it. One famous quote that's attributed to dozens of people says, writing is easy. You just open a vein and bleed. Oh, yeah. oh the melodrama. Yeah. A friend who was finishing a book once told me, when you write, you always hate your work. Uh, you always hate your book and you hate yourself. And so you said, I'm going to retire those negative soundtracks. Oh, yeah. Create a new yeah. one to write my book. I had this crazy idea that writing didn't have to suck. <laughs> I wanted something simple that could set the tone for the book you're reading right now. I needed a soundtrack for a book about soundtracks. And you chose from, from the from you chose something from Dorothy Parker. Ultimately settled on. So I decided, and I'll be honest with you. Like part of it started, my wife probably four years ago said, "Hey, um, you're a jerk for the two years when you write a book, and then you're a jerk for the two years when you sell it." And uh, that ain't it. Like we're not doing that career. <laughs> the current thing you're doing isn't sustainable in our marriage. I was like, fair enough, fair enough. And I realized that I was giving into all these broken soundtracks. The writing is so hard. I go to the coal mine and look for words. And like, there was all this extra pressure. And I think people do that. We have a real habit of over-dramatizing things that are already difficult. So whenever I meet somebody that goes, I've been working on the book, or I go, what's your goal of the book? And they say, 
to prove to my dad that my job is worth it. I'm like, whoa, that is going to be very difficult to finish that book. Like, You have set yourself up for quite a mountain. So I decided I had a time, I need a new soundtrack, and it's going to be light and easy. Writing this book is going to be light and easy. And then I tied it to uh, so many different other things in my life to kind of reiterate and repeat that soundtrack This episode is sponsored by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. (coughs) Shopify helps you do your thing however you... Cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. So whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, whenever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. So sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, which is your AI-powered all-star. In my experience with every business that I have built, including this podcast, there are breakthrough moments, and those moments are often the result of finding the right partner. And I think that's a way to think about Shopify, because no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greg. Where else have you listened to the soundtrack? Where else have you used it? Well, the biggest thing, um, the Mr. Rogers part that I, that I mentioned was I was at um, a running store. I like to run. Um, and that's, a, that's actually a soundtrack I've worked on. For years, when people would say, are you a runner? I'd go, I'm not a runner. I run. As if there was this magical classification that made me a real runner. And I realized that's a broken soundtrack. I'm a runner. I've run five half marathons. Like I feel like I'm a runner. So mm-hmm. I'm a runner. So I was at a running store in town and they had the most ridiculous bright neon green shoes developed to like break the two hour marathon record. There's a full carbon fiber plate. Like they're insane. (laughs) And they were the lightest. I know know the shoe. I know the shoes you're talking about. Exactly. They look, I'd say, I describe them like they look like what an elf would wear if he was done making like, like cookies in a tree and moved to Tron, like the universe of Tron. And so I, I was like, I'm going to wear these every time I write the book. That's the only time I'm going to wear them. I'm going to wear them as a, as a kind of a cue. Hey, here we go. Like we're about to write. And so I'd put them on like Mr. Rogers changing his shoes when he got home. Um, I told the lady at the shoe store and she looked at me like I was a lunatic. And I, I came up with a new soundtrack. I don't care if it's weird, if it works. Like I really don't care if it's weird, if it works. And it worked. Mm-hmm. The thing I like about soundtracks is I think once you discover the metaphor and kind of how it works, you, you'll start to see it in individuals. You'll start to see it in married couples or dating couples. You'll see it in families. You'll see soundtracks at work. You'll see soundtracks on teams. And that's, I think, where it gets really interesting. Well, and this particular soundtrack, you know, spoke to me 
really because of the alignment with the whole idea of effortless. I mean, that using your language, effortless is a soundtrack. And what I have been blown away by is how many people have hard, difficult soundtracks that aren't necessary. No, and they're they're creating them. See, I think that's why the book is going to be a real gift, is that how many people are adding chaos or adding complications or making it harder than it needs to be and don't even know they're doing it. And so, yeah, I think the best books are invitations to freedom, which is why if you're able to say, hey, here's, it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, and, and I think that's where our overlap is. I, you know, I wrote a book called Finish and I was stunned how many people thought a goal had to be miserable to count. And so I'd meet people right. and I'd go, uh, they they go, I'm going to get in shape. I'll go, what are you going to do? And they say, I'm going to run. I go, oh, do you like running? They go, no, I hate it. That's how I know it's good. <laughs> and I go, exactly. go, well, you could ballroom dance too. And they'd be like, no, that seems too fun and effortless. I'll probably, I got to find an exercise that makes me so mad that I only do it for a week and then I give up and I think all exercise is bad. Yeah, we, <laughs> we are, there's so much overlap between what we're talking about. I love it. No, and this, this particular area of overlap, I think was, is like magic because, because I, I, that's one of the things I learned in listening to people about essentialism and their, their attempts to apply it was almost this belief that the more important a thing is, the harder it has to be. And, and it's, I mean, your example about the exercise thing is perfect. Oh, it can't be exercise if I enjoy it. It has to be, it's got to be tough. You know, you've got to, no pain, no gain. It's not like that is never true, but are you sure you want that as your life's soundtrack? I mean, you can <laughs> adopt it if you want as a soundtrack, but I think light and easy might be a better soundtrack for you. Yeah, and and what's funny about that is you'll start to see, you just see examples of it everywhere. So another one that fits with effortless is, uh, Failure is the best way to learn. I personally feel like success that you pay attention to is I enjoy that one way more. Like if you said to me, John, you can learn by winning or learn by failing miserably. I'd go, you know what? Um, I'd like to learn while also winning. If that is that available, that's available versus, you know, and I saw somebody, a motivational person say the other day, you should start each morning with a freezing cold shower to train yourself to do terrible things all day. And I was like, why would I do that? Why, like, that's insane. No, I have a funny story about that where I was on somebody else's podcast and I was, I, I do a little probably irritatingly turn the, the tables when I'm doing that sometimes. And, and I said, okay, well, what's something essential for you that you're under investing in? And that's exactly the one he chose. He said, he said, cold shower. I really need to do it. it it's so important to me. And know that if I would do this every single day, I would achieve the things I want in my life. And and I'm like, really? You know, like, are you sure? You're sure you have to have that? Is that necessary for the things you need to achieve in your life? And so I found it quite hard to do the rest of the coaching session with him because I was just like, every part of his body actually is sort of the way that he was talking about it really made me believe that he did not want to do this. Uh, it was this sort of, it, it no. was like I have to, it's, but it was like, well, I, sh I don't, I don't know. There's something like in that little story. In that, there's something about a broken soundtrack to me, at least. Is this how you read it? Oh, a hundred percent. I a hundred percent because 
I don't know where, you know, I always tell people, pull the thread. Like, what's the thought behind the thought behind the thought? Which is why, which is what you were doing. You were saying, like, well, what do you mean? Like, who told you that? What do you think that's going to unlock? Like, what does that, what does that actually mean? And, and see, I, I think sometimes it's just, we, we heard something, we believe something, um, and then it becomes gospel to us. And we think, you know, like, that's the, but the sad thing for situations like that is, by 9 a.m. when he hasn't taken the cold shower, he's already listening to a Rogan soundtrack that says the rest of the day won't be as productive as it could have been because you started with a failure. I'm with you on this. And the kind of soundtrack that he started to describe are things like this. If I don't take a cold shower every day, I will be a complete failure. Yeah. Like that is literally the soundtrack that he has running through his day all, the, all day, every day. He hates it. He hates to take a cold shower. As well he should. <laughs> They're terrible. <laughs> like that's why we invented hot water heaters. Like, well, wait a second. What does that mean? I mean, the three questions people often say, okay, well, how do I even find a broken soundtrack? Like, how do I find mm -hmm. one? And the easiest way I think, or one of the easiest ways is you write down something you want to do. And you write down, I want to write a book. I want to ask somebody out. I want to get a raise. I want to start a company, whatever. And then listen to the first thing you hear. Um, because Every reaction is an education. So if you, you know, if you say, I want to start a podcast and you hear it's too late, like they're already done. Like you missed your moment. Like you should have started one in 2007. Like that's probably a broken soundtrack. And then the three questions I give people to ask about that, which are also really simple is just take your loud soundtracks. Who has time to question every thought? We have too many thoughts. Ask them three questions. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? Is it true? Is the thing I'm telling myself true? Is it helpful? Does it move me forward or hold me back? And is it kind to myself? What do you do then? So somebody says, okay, yes, I found a loud soundtrack, um, you know, whether it's the, the, the shower, uh, but some, some, you know, whatever the loud soundtrack is, that it's neither true nor kind nor helpful, then what? Well, I mean, the, the book, I'd say you retire broken soundtracks, you, re you replace them with new ones, you repeat them so often they become automatic. I think a lot of high performing people are afraid of losing their edge. And what happened was they had some success with a certain approach, but it's no longer helpful. It's no longer like for me, an example that would be, I had a business crisis once and I had to kind of get up super early and save the day. And I learned in that moment, I can function in a crisis, which is what that's a helpful thing to know. Okay, I've got some self awareness, great. But then over time, that kind of mutated into I need a crisis to function. And yeah, exactly. then I that was a terrible fuel. So I think there's a lot of high performing people that are afraid to lose their edge. So they're like, uh, you know, I have to I have to try to prove myself and that's their fuel. And I, I just don't think that's a good fuel. It's a good short term, but it's not a great term. So I would say like open yourself up to the idea that there's great soundtracks out there. It can be a question. It can be a song lyric. It can be, you know, a phrase from a company that really inspires you. You know, I spoke to this company, Ortho, um, they're a diagnostic company. And one of their soundtracks internally is because every test is a life. Like they know when you're in a fast growing healthcare industry, it's really easy to start to see people as numbers. So they have a soundtrack because every test is a life. And so that's what I would say is open yourself up to that. Find some soundtracks you like. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be sexy. They don't have to be as good as just do it. And then you start to repeat them. You find creative ways to kind of make them part of your life. One of the things I like about the fact that you use the term soundtracks um, is, is the idea of repetition. 
and what you're describing that you are going to need to repeat to yourself the new soundtrack many, 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 many times because the old soundtracks have been listened to many, many, many times. And so you're you're trying to replace them. Um, It it reminds me of an experience I had um, probably the most, the, the most agonizing experience, or at least the experience that should have been the most agonizing experience of of my life, uh, which is when my, one of my daughters became uh, suddenly very sick. uh, And over a two year period uh, with an undiagnosed uh, neurological condition, right? Okay. That's the short of the story. And I remember feeling really tapped on the shoulder to listen to a particular article. It's Gordon B. Hinckley article about optimism and Thanksgiving. And I was like, I was actually totally willing to do it, but what surprised me, it was, wasn't just listen to it once. It was every day and almost every day through the first four months of this just absurd situation where, uh, where without any, any warning, without any explanation, you know, her capabilities, Eve's capabilities are just suddenly being lost every day. Uh, instead of what is what the old soundtrack was clearly wanting me to do, uh, which is, well, you know, why is this happening? And, and this is, you know, get obsessed about it and, and to feel maybe even powerless and so on. Instead, I'm listening to this other soundtrack, literally listening to it every day, almost every day for four months. And I felt materially changed by that, that life became lighter. You know, you talk about light and easy. It, 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 it's almost like I don't know if people will believe me now because I know how sort of devastating that experience is or could be. But actually, the experience wasn't devastating. It was the word I always want to say, and I don't use it lightly, is joy. There was actually joy in that experience. And we, we as a family, just sort of became ultra deliberately, relentlessly grateful. Uh, you know, we, we got around the piano and sang, and we just tried to have as much humor and, and that, that, that could be in the situation. And it wasn't that we were denying the problems at all, but there was this new soundtrack, and it needed the repetition for me to be able to, I think, even, even see it as a possibility that amidst this challenge, you wouldn't make it worse with a bad soundtrack. You make it better with a better soundtrack. I appreciate you sharing that with me. That's that's what a challenging thing to go through and and the bravery to share the word joy. Like that, you know, that that's a brave thing to talk about that. Let's just again double click on this question. What do we do to create repetition? Like, you know, literally. So someone chooses light and easy. Let's go back to that. Light and easy. You've given a good example with the actual physical symbol. What are the symbols? Could a person use? Let's just use that actual. Yeah, let's jump on the symbol. So, a great symbol always has three things in common. A great symbol is personal, it's visible, and it's simple. So, it's personal in that it's something that matters to you. Like, there's a lot of people right now that are listening and are like, that shoe thing is crazy. I agree, but that was personal to me. The second thing is it's visible. It's easy to see. It's obvious. It's not hidden in a drawer somewhere. Um, and the third is that it, it's really simple. It's simple to use. It's simple to engage with. And my favorite example of that is um, the the Strong bracelets that Nike did. 
Like the reason they work was they were personal. No one you met, if you ever met somebody wearing a Livestrong bracelet and said, why do you wear that? They never said, I just don't like cancer. Like the noun, I'm just, I'm a, I wear jewelry about diseases. Here's my psoriasis necklace. Like they always told you a personal story. My uncle suffered from cancer. My mom suffered from cancer. The second thing, they were visible. Nike could have made that bracelet gray. They could have made it beige. They didn't. They made it bright yellow. And the third was it was simple to use. No one was like, how do you put on a bracelet? You put the arm part and the whole part. Like this thing is so complicated. You just get really deliberate about going, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have these symbols um, and they're going to be personal, visible, and simple. So if somebody wanted light and easy, what would another, like, how would you coach me through actually finding a symbol that I could use? Well, so I would, I would say, okay, you know, is there, you know, for me, it was shoes. I would say for you, like, is, you know, when you write, you know, if you want to apply light and easy to writing, you know, like, what's your favorite, what's your favorite thing to write in? Like, I, I would say, I probably wouldn't put on a suit. Because a suit, like, when I wear, you know, when I dress for a speaking engagement, it's different how I dress when I'm trying to create. Like, there's just, there's differences there. Because I know, like, I have speaking jeans. Like, I only wear them on stage. Because I know, like, it's part of my, like, okay, it's go time. Like, once I've got, like, I've been doing virtual events, I wear the shoes I wear when I speak, even though nobody sees my feet during a virtual event. Why do I do that? Because it's another like, hey, it's go time. So I'd probably go, okay, is there some, is there an item of clothing? Um, is there, you know, with, like I have a massive feather on my desk that I found. We were at a lake and it was this beautiful feather. And I was like, that's such a great example of light and easy. So it's on my desk. So I would say, okay, what's something you can keep on your desk? What's something that, you know, is small, is easy? Where's light and easy in your calendar? We would interview your calendar, Greg. We would go, okay, hey. Where's light and easy? Like, where are you doing things the hardest way possible? And we would probably try to sort some of those out. So again, the goal of the book isn't to give you just a new soundtrack. It's to give you a new soundtrack that leads to new actions that gets you new results. Because I think that's where you really get to see life change. So we would probably take that light and easy soundtrack and comb through your week, comb through your calendar, comb through your conversations. I believe in tactical soundtracks where you get a soundtrack and then you go, I really want this to stick. So I'm going to be deliberate about finding places for it. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I love that, that you reinforce the soundtrack, not just by repeating the words, but by building them into your physical environment, into your schedule, uh, into the decisions you make, into the actions you take. Into my relationships. Like if somebody was difficult, like, if I, you know, if I knew there were moments where I needed, like, for instance, my, my dental hygienist, she is such a positive person. I went to the dentist yesterday, which is why this is fresh to mind. But like, if I made a, I would say, Greg, make a list of light and easy people. And then I want to make sure you spend enough time with them. And I would guarantee 99% of people have never thought about it that way. But like yesterday, when I got to the dentist's office, she showed me a screenshot where she had pre-ordered my new book soundtracks in August. Like it comes, it's out in April and she ordered it last August. <laughs> then when I told her some of the ideas, she was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting goosebumps. So I would list her in the, like, when I'm at the stage of an idea where I need encouragement, I would probably list her as a, I'm going to go bounce some ideas off her. Like, like I would think about people that way. And so that's how I would do it. And again, not with every thought, like I'm not, again, we're all so busy. Nobody's looking for a bunch of more activities to do. But I think if there's one that's important and you think that, that broken version is stealing a lot of time, creativity, and productivity. 
well, then it might be worth us investing a little because we're going to get back so much time, creativity, and productivity. John Acuff, it's been absolutely fabulous to have you here. Um, I have, um, by some, some magical process, two copies of your book, advanced copies, which I'm so happy I do, but it means I have an opportunity, which is to uh, give away one copy to somebody listening right now, advanced copy, which is, that's like special. You feel special. I felt special getting a copy of your book uh, ahead of time. I love that. Uh, and, and, and other people can do the same. Go to the What's Essential podcast on iTunes. You're going to review this episode and you go to email me at greg at gregmcewen.com. Uh, with a picture of having done that, and I will send a copy of John Acuff's superb new book, Soundtracks. You're going to hear about this book. It's going to make, it's going to, it's not just a, a great book. It's going to, it's going to cross the chasm. It's going to become part of the vernacular uh, because it's a better word for something we all know about. And when you have that, that's something special. Soundtracks. Soundtracks. That is so encouraging. So encouraging. And and Greg, I get to have you on my podcast soon. It's called All It Takes is a Goal. And I'm thrilled that you're coming on. And I can't wait to turn the tables and and really dig into Effortless. Like it was so fun to talk a little about it today. And I can't wait to really get into it. I am looking forward to doing that. Well, I, I think we should do something else together too. I don't know quite what, but, um, but we should do some sort of live event or something. Because I did just find myself going, there's, there's such a natural overlap between these two ideas sometimes it'd be weird to do something like that but i i think that especially where i just hit on this light and easy i'm like that that's it almost it almost helped me reframe the what i'm trying to do with effortless it was like yes exactly we have this old soundtrack and you don't even know you have it like people seriously don't know they have it. i just got involved in a new project in fact it's a really like exciting project it's, it's this cool thing and one of the leaders on the, the project says, this is going to be, this can be so big. It can impact millions of people around the world. It's going to be really hard, but it's going to be really worth it. And, and I'm like, like, really? Does it have it's to be? Gonna be do, do, it's going to be terrible. I just want to be up front. Yeah. It was seriously, there's a soundtrack around that that we've heard so often, but I have better words now having read soundtracks. Here you are proving the point of light and easy, proving the point of soundtracks in the creation of soundtracks. And, uh, and, and I, I'm confident uh, that I'm being prophetic here. You, this is going to be the breakthrough moment, the, the, which I know you've had many breakthrough moments, but this is going to be a new breakthrough moment for you. And it's going to be marvelous. And I'm just going to be here cheering you along all the way. Oh, Greg, gosh, this is, this is such a fun, fun moment for me. Um, and I am a hundred percent in. Let's. I, you know, I would love to figure out something that we get to do together. Um, I am. I'm in. We'll do. We'll do something fun. I'm, I'm in. John Acuff, looking forward to being on your podcast as well. Tell me the name again of the podcast. Yeah, it's all it takes is a goal. All it takes is a goal. I can't wait to be on that podcast with you. Everyone should go and subscribe to uh, All It Takes Is a Goal to have more gold of this kind from John Acuff. Uh, everybody go get a copy of soundtracks and give away, uh, give away 10 more, uh, because, uh, because we, we want better soundtracks. That's what we want. You want the people in your life to have better soundtracks. That's the soundtrack you hear from them as well. 
<laughs> if you want less complaining in your life, you've got to help people have better soundtracks inside their own mind. This is this is what we're learning here today. It's been a pleasure. John, thank you for being on the What's Essential podcast. Thanks, Greg. Ladies and gentlemen, essentialists, one and all, we've come to that moment again, the end of the show. Thank you really sincerely for listening. It's been amazing to see what's happened already with this show. The show has become, in fact, the top 3% of podcasts globally within just the first five months of its launch. And that's because of you. You have made this special. And I want to end, as I always do, reminding you that if you don't do anything else, just ask what's essential and eliminate as much as possible everything else. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.